0: Well, good morning to welcome all of you that are here in the auditorium, as well as those that are watching over the internet this morning. It's always exciting to be able to share from God's Word with you all, and today's no exception. I am so excited on a beautiful day like this, as Scott said, beginning of this fall season here in September, to be able to be here, to be able to share with you guys what God has been putting on my heart, and as Scott said, it's been a while that we've been looking through the fruit of the Spirit as we've gone through this, um, as I have the opportunity to share. And uh, I'm looking forward to the fact that we get to talk about gentleness today. We get to talk about this idea of a trait that God has that not everybody in our world today thinks is something you should have. And so I'm excited to bring bring that from God's Word this morning, but also to look at the fact that We're almost through the fruit of the Spirit. After this one, uh, the next time I get a chance to speak will be the last one. And we'll have to come up with something new to share. But for now, we are coming towards the end of this. And as we think about this idea of gentleness, I'd like to start our morning uh, with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for who you are. We thank you for knowing that as we've looked at these different fruit that the Spirit has that is wanting to give to us that these are a very part of who you are. And as we've gone through them, we've come to realize that, that these are not things that you tell us to do That and to have in us that you don't have in you. Each one of them is something that characterizes you in your own heart. And we just pray, Lord, that as we continue through this series, Lord, that it's something that we realize that we need that we need to do that it's not a suggestion it's something that if we've accepted your free gift to salvation we're to do and we're to be characterized by and i just thank you for the opportunity we have this morning to be here to be able to worship you in so many ways this morning thank you now for uh, all that you've done and continue to do in our lives in your son's name we pray amen so as I said, we've been going through the fruit of the Spirit for some time now, and that's where we're going to be tonight, So, or this morning. So if you will go with me to Galatians chapter 5. We're going to just review what the fruit of the Spirit are and take a quick look back at some of the things we've done as we look forward to talking about gentleness, gentleness today. So Galatians chapter 5, we're going to start in verse 22 and do verses 22 and 23. This is what it says in Galatians. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. As we've gone through these, we've had the opportunity to talk through the idea of love. We've talked about this unconditional love that we're to have for each other and following the example of Christ and that it's a choice that we have to make every single day to love one another. We've talked about the fact that Our joy comes from Christ. It's not some feeling that we have based upon the circumstances we're in. It is something that we have that we can have despite those circumstances. Even in times of struggle, and times of trial, we can have joy knowing that it comes from our Savior Christ. We talked about the fact that peace is something that we have that... We looked at the idea of John chapter 16 that we saw what the world brings to the table, what Christ brings to the table, and what we bring to the table. We also realize that if we allow it, this world can rob us of our joy. It's something that we can have taken away by this world. But if we bring our fears, we bring our anxieties to Christ, we leave it with him, we can have full confidence that he'll bring that peace that we need each and every day. Once again, even in those times of struggle that we have, we looked at the definition of long-suffering, what a long-suffering God looks like, and what it means to live a long-suffering life. We looked at kindness. We talked about the fact that kindness is part of the very nature of God. We learned that if we're to be kind, we need to have a spirit of kindness in all our words, all our deeds, each thing that we do. We looked at goodness, and as we did that, we went to Micah 6.8, and we realized that to live a life of goodness, we need to live justly, we need to love mercy, and we need to walk humbly with our God. And last time we were together in July, we looked at the idea of faithfulness. We looked once again at the faithfulness of what, uh, the definition of what faithfulness is, what a faithfulness God looks like, and what it looks like to live that life. And this morning, as we continue on, and we look at our study, we want to look at this idea of gentleness and this fruit that's here. And as I was preparing for our sermon today, I was looking at different stories, different things that talked about gentleness and I came across this story on Focus on the Family Canada's website, and it's a story of a young man named Jordan and his stuffy. For those of you that might not know what new words are, stuffy is his stuffed animal. And we're going to, I want you to come with me and listen to the story about Jordan and this new stuffed animal that he had gotten from his grandma says, when Jordan's grandma returned from a holiday in Texas, she brought him a very special stuffed animal, one that resembled a wolf. Jordan had never seen such a wonderful stuffy. He loved wolves, and although he had other toy animals, Jordan had never had one that looked like a wolf. Jordan named his new stuffy Woofy because it was a wolf. He took Woofy to bed with him every night and felt safe when he cuddled him. At first, Jordan was very gentle with Woofie, but soon he started treating his new stuffy roughly. If his mom or dad did not read him an extra bedtime story, if he had to go to bed early, he would throw Woofie on the floor. Don't do that, Jordan's parents cautioned, or Woofie will get hurt. But Jordan didn't listen. Sometimes when he was feeling frustrated, Jordan would even punch or hit Woofie. One day, Jordan had a fight with his sister. While he was still feeling very angry, he went in his room and he kicked Woofie against the wall. But as Woofie fell to the floor, Jordan noticed there was a large tear in his side. Woofie's stuffing was even starting to fall out onto the floor. Jordan called, Mommy, I heard Woofie, come quick. Jordan's mother came running. When she got to his room, she found Jordan holding Woofie and crying. She hugged Jordan and said that she would help him try to fix Woofie. Together, they picked up the stuffing and pushed it back into the large hole in Wolfie's side. He looked a little better, but he was still lumpy and torn. Jordan's mom got out her sewing machine and did her best to fix the tear. When she was done, Wolfie did look like himself again, but he had a large scar down his side where Jordan had kicked him. Although the hole had been fixed, it was still obvious that the fabric had once been torn. Jordan loved Woofy as much as ever and took care to be gentle with him. Every day when he saw the scar on his special stuffy side, he remembered how important it was to be gentle with his toys and his friends. He didn't want to cause any more scars. You know, sometimes we would read a story like this and it seems like a simple story of a kid with a stuffed animal. But as you think about this, much like Jordan and his stuffed animal, Woofy. I think that we can treat people pretty harsh. We sometimes, in our anger and in our frustration, will maybe not physically kick somebody and cause a scar, but verbally or emotionally, we can do that to people. We don't always display that gentleness that God would expect us to, and because of this, we cause damage and we cause scars to other people. And today I want to take a look with us that what it means to bear this fruit of gentleness, what it means for us to treat people in such a way in our interactions with them that we don't cause those scars. We don't, as Jordan did, kick the stuffing out of those people that we come in contact with each and every day. So as we start this, if we want to know how to bear the fruit of gentleness, we need to know what it is, right? And what I'd like to do is, I just want to explain what gentleness is. Kind of give us a definition to start with, to begin with. And sometimes, if you look in the King James Version of this passage, you see the word meekness. And gentleness and meekness, they kind of go together. But as we look through different places, Merriam-Webster defines gentleness as mildness of manners or disposition. Uh, Google, when you bring it up, it says that it's a quality of being kind, tender, or mild-mannered. It is a softness of actions or effect, a lightness. Zodiadi's complete word study dictionary. Of the New Testament states that gentleness is meekness, mildness, or forbearance. As you start looking through dictionaries, you start looking through concordances, you start seeing a lot of the same type of words. Our culture and our Christian beliefs, they come together and this idea of being gentle, being kind, being mild-mannered. All of these things are things that we see when it comes to what it means to be gentle and to have gentleness in our life and gentleness characterize us. The difference seems to come when we look at how we see these different definitions. See, as Scott said earlier, in our world today, a lot of times you don't want to be gentle. That might seem weird to some of us, but in a world where We will do anything to get to a top. In a world where everything is cutthroat and competition and you need to stand up for yourself, people will say, you can't be gentle. If someone crosses you, you need to stand up and fight. You You need to be that person that will stand up and you will argue with them. You'll do those things. That's what we have to do in this world. You can't have a gentle spirit. You can't talk gently with somebody when they cross you. You need to be firm. You need to be solid. You need to argue with them. That's what our world would tell us. Don't be soft. Don't be a baby when it comes to these things. Stand up for yourself. If we look at the idea of what the Bible says about gentleness, what we find out is, Gentleness isn't weakness at all. We find out that there's a very different view. And as I was looking, I went and I found this definition on greatquestions.com that talks about the idea of what it means to be gentle. It says this. We can speak words that influence others. We can act in a way that helps or hurts. And we can choose what influences will inform our words and our actions gentleness constrains and channels that power. To be gentle is to recognize that God's ways and thoughts are high above our own. When we are filled with the Spirit's fruit of gentleness, we will correct others, but we'll do it with easiness instead of arguing and resentment and anger, knowing that their salvation is far more important than our pride. See, here's the thing. Nowhere in this definition, does it say that gentleness is weakness? You know, we always hear the word meekness is not weakness in some of our Christian circles. Gentleness is taking the power that we have in our words, in our deeds, and putting it under God's control. It's allowing that gentleness to be able to take that. And yes, we will still correct. If someone says something wrong, if someone says something against scripture, yes, we still correct them. But we do it in a spirit of gentleness. We do it in such a way that we're able to lovingly help them. We don't beat them over the head and tell them how bad they are with what they're doing. We do it gently. We do it kindly. We do it in such a way that if it's somebody that doesn't know Christ, we don't turn them off to the fact that that's what they need in their life. We show them that gentleness of God through the way that we interact with them. And that's how we work with this kind idea of gentleness. It's not that, it's not that we don't have power. It's taking that power and controlling it and harnessing it in such a way that God will be happy with how we interact with that person. That's what it means to be gentle. And as we think about this explanation of gentleness, as we think about this idea that gentleness is power under control, I wanted for us to be able to have some examples from God's word of what gentleness is and how gentleness is used. And the first one that I thought of was Moses. Because in Numbers chapter 12, verse 3, it says that Moses is described as a meek man, more than all people on the earth. Moses was a humble gentleman. He was a man that looked to God. Was he a perfect man? No. As we know, he had one bout of anger, and he did what God told him not to. And after all those years of leading the Israelites, he didn't get to go into the Promised Land because he did something God told him not to do. But as we look through Moses from the time that he met God at the burning bush went before Pharaoh and led the Israelites out of Egypt into the promised land. We see a man that was humble, a man that was gentle. And for those that know the story of the Israelites and their wanderings through the wilderness, they weren't a real compliant people. Every time you turned around, they had something to complain about. First, we have no water. So God gives them water. Well then, oh, thank you, God, we have water. But now we don't have food. So God gives them food. Well, that food's not good enough. They want something else. Well, they get something else. Well, that's not quite what we were thinking. Every time something good happened, for a brief moment, they were happy. They were fine. And then they started complaining all over again. I was thinking about putting myself in Moses' shoes at that moment. I think I would have had this possibility of saying, you know what, you guys just wander around in the wilderness. I'm following God and he's going to let me go in the promised land. You do what you do over here and figure it all out. You want to go back to Egypt? Go back to Egypt. I don't care. But we see Moses every time the Israelites complained, every time they did something against God, and God would get frustrated, God would be irritated. We see Moses going before him, asking him, to spare them, asking him to have mercy on them. This was the type of man Moses was. He didn't get mad at them. I'm sure he did. But as we see in Scripture, the way he handled that was with gentleness, with control. As we we have that in our mind, I also thought about David. And you think about David, and he was told, you're going to be king. He was told this while Saul was still king. Well, Saul found out about this as well. And as you come into 1 Samuel chapter 24, Saul's coming back from a battle. He has his men, and someone, when he gets back, says, hey, we know where David is. So Saul takes 3,000 of his best men, and he goes out to find David to take care of his problem because he knows that David's the next one in line, and he's going to take over his throne. And as the story goes, David is with his men, and they're hiding out in a cave. They're back in this cave. They're, they're, they're hidden. And Saul, as he comes to these, this place, goes into the cave. He had some things he had to do, and he was going to take care of that inside of this cave. Well, David's men are sitting there with David, and they're like, the Lord's brought him to your hands. The Lord has given Saul to you. Go kill him. David, in his vengeance, in his selfishness, if he wanted to, could have killed Saul in that very moment. Saul would have been gone, the throne would have been his, and he would have been there and done what these men said to him God wanted him to do. Instead, for those that know the story, David goes out and he comes up behind Saul and he cuts off a small piece of his robe. Saul never knows he's there. David goes back to his men and his men are like, what are you doing? Why didn't you kill him? He was right there. And David, it says, not only did David tell them he wasn't going to do it, he rebuked them for the fact that they said he should. And he wouldn't let any of them leave to go and kill Saul or any of his men. And David, wasn't that David was scared. He went right up to Saul And was there and cut off that piece of his robe. And he went out afterwards and showed Saul, Hey, I could have killed you. I didn't. So it wasn't that he was weak and he was scared and didn't know what to do. It was that he harnessed that power that he had and controlled it because he knew that Saul was at that moment still God's anointed one. And he let that happen and he was gentle in the way that he handled that situation. And as we go through scripture, we see many different places where men showed great gentleness and how they handled different situations. But as you think through this idea of gentleness, we talk about gentleness in the fruit of the Spirit coming from God himself. So our ultimate example is him. And as we see throughout the Bible, God's attributes show that in his very character, he is gentle. Turn with me to Psalm chapter 18. Psalm chapter 18, we're going to look at a verse there that shows this very thing. So Psalm chapter 18, verse 35. And in this psalm, David is talking and he's crying out to the Lord and he says this, he says, you have given me the shield of your salvation and your right hand supported me and your gentleness made me great. David looks at this, and he's calling God. He says, Lord, you have been with me. You have been my shield. You have been my right hand. You've supported me. You've helped me win these different battles. David had a lot of enemies. And God helped him in these different battles. But when you look at what it says there, it wasn't the fact that David, God helped him in these battles that God warred with him. He says, you know what made me great, God? Your gentleness with me. That's what made me great. David is a man that is described as a man after God's own heart, a man that communed with God, the man that did these things and through prayer and did this. And he's saying, you know what? Your gentleness, that's what made me great. Isaiah 40 11 says, he will tend his flocks like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms and he will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. This verse talking about how God as our shepherd tends to us. And, and this, I got this picture of the shepherd that has his flock and there's a lamb that is struggling. And that idea of of just scooping down, picking it up in its arms and holding it and carrying it to where it needs to go. Or gently, as you had ewes that had babies, gently helping to navigate them back to their pens so that they were safe and away from the predators that would have them. And I think about that with God and how God cares for us as our shepherd and and Christ and how they do the same thing with us when we need them to... He scoops us up in his arms, and he holds us. We're not holding on to him. He cares for us, and he does those things with us. And he guides us and takes us where we need to go. Now, sometimes, do we need a staff of correction? Yeah, all of us do. But he's that general shepherd that, when we need it, cares for us and scoops us up and takes us where we need to be. Final place I want to look in here is in Deuteronomy chapter, 20, chapter 32. So turn back there with me just to be able to see this. Deuteronomy chapter 32. Is what it says in verse 2. It says, May my teachings drop as rain, my speech distill as the dew, like gentle rain upon tender grass, and like showers upon the herb. Moses is talking about these things that he, he learned, these things that, that from God, and you think of God's word, and I, I, I thought about this as I, was, as I was thinking about Scripture and this idea of gentleness, and how this book, like a gentle rain, We think about that with our yards, right? You don't like the thunderstorms with the rain that's going sideways because it just kind of goes off and runs off of your yard and doesn't really help, or your gardens, or those different things. But we like that slow, gentle rain that just comes, and it just comes, and it nourishes the ground. It nourishes your plants. And I think about God's Word and how it does that same thing for us. These words that were spoken by God, these things that we learn. It provides that nourishment that we need in our very souls. It does that spiritual nurturing that we need to have. And as we think about this, we think about God the Father, and we think about the fact that in his very character, how gentle he is. And, you know, as we as we talked last time about faithfulness, we talked about the fact that God showed his faithfulness by giving us Christ. Because God wanted to restore our relationship with him. And we see this all the way back to the conversation with Eve right after the fall. The fact that God said to her that he was going to send one and that his plan was to send his son as that per- perfect sacrifice to do what we can't do. Which is to take care of our sins so that we can have that relationship with Christ re- or with God restored. God could have been harsh in that moment. Adam and Eve were kind of dumb. God told them one thing not to do. They allowed Satan to trick them into doing that one thing, which brought sin to the entire world. God could have looked down and been like, really? One thing. I asked you not to do one simple thing. And what do you do? And now you're trying to hide it from me. Honestly? But he didn't. He looked at them and in a gentleness only God can have said, not only am I not going to destroy you from the face of this earth, I'm going to give you a way to restore your relationship with me. A gentle God that was willing to send his son to be a perfect sacrifice for us because of the gentleness that's in his heart. And as we think about this, we see in Christ that exact gentleness is part of who he is. This morning, Scott read Matthew eleven twenty nine, 29, where it says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. You think about the entire life of Christ. And you think about where he was and who he was, and you see this gentleness that he had. You're talking about God, very God, coming to this planet as a human. But he had that, in his own words, gentleness and loneliness of heart. He was humble, he was gentle. From humble beginnings, you think about God coming to earth and being born in a manger. Shepherds are the ones going to talk about who he is. This humble spirit that we talked about before that he had, but also the gentleness in which, even with the authority he has, gives us the rest that we need if we allow it to. He says, come to me. If we're willing to come to him, if we're willing to put our faith and trust in him, his gentleness will give us the rest that we need. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 1, Paul says this. He says, Paul, I, Paul, myself entreat you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ. I who am humble when face to face with you, but bold towards you when I am away. You think about the encounter Paul had with Christ when he had his conversion experience. The power that Christ had, the power in which he came to him. Paul knows the authority of Christ. He knows the power that he has. But in this, he describes him as having meekness and gentleness. And Paul looks at these things as great qualities in which he says, you know what? I come to you in the gentleness of Christ. This is something that one of, one of the great apostles sees as a strong needed characteristic that Christ showed to him. As we look at Christ through his ministry on earth, not only is it very part of him, but look at how he interacted with different people. We're not going to go through all of them because there's so many. But I think about the idea of when Martha, when he went to the home of Mary and Martha, and Mary was at his feet worshiping him, and Martha came out of the kitchen, ticked off that Mary wasn't helping him. She's like, Lord, can't you tell her to come give me a hand? I have all this food, I have 33 pots going, I have dishes to do, I need this pot to do something else, and she's just sitting here. Christ could have kind of, really, Martha? Come on. But his response to her was gentle, saying what Mary was doing was as important as hers, while also helping her understand that it's okay. He didn't lambaste her. He gently helped her and taught her what she needed to do. We see throughout the, the Gospels people coming to Christ to get healed. You know, you think about, you think about the different times. I mean, I, late in the day, you've been healing people. You've been talking to people. You've been doing the things Christ does. He was still human. I'm sure he got very tired by the end of the day. But when people would come to him, he's not like, Sorry, shop closed. I'll talk to you in the morning. Take a number. You can be first in line. No, he healed them. He cared for them. He would talk to them. He would help them understand their needs, both physically and spiritually. and would meet those when they came. You see the story of the 5,000. This group of people is following Christ all day, listening to him speak, listening to the words of, that he has for them. We get to a time when it's getting to be dinner time and the disciples are like, Jesus, send them away. They need to eat. We don't have enough food for them. Tell them to go into the countryside, into the towns around here. Tell them to go find something to eat. And Jesus, instead of doing that and saying you're on your own, go figure it out, says, sit. All of you sit. And he took care of their need. He'd been working all day talking about their spiritual needs, doing these things. And he says, you know what? No. Come, sit. I'll care for you. He was gentle with them. Think about how many different times his disciples had different things. Think of James and John and wanting to be at his right hand. You think of Peter denying him, and we see that he takes him aside and gently forgives him for what he had done. We see these different spots. And even for those that opposed him, see in the garden when Peter decides to be zealous, as Peter does, and he cuts off Malchus' ear. Not only does does Jesus say to Peter, put the sword away, but he returns Malchus' ear to its rightful place and heals him. And on the cross, as he's already been beaten and scorned, tells the Father to forgive those that have put him there. This is the gentle spirit that Jesus had. But we know that gentleness does not mean weakness because Jesus would often stand up to the religious leaders. He didn't let them go about spreading things against, the, against God. He didn't let them, let them have the rules of the day be what was important. He said, no, this is truth. Even to the point of going into the temple and cleaning house when they were when the money changers and those were in the temple defiling it. Jesus was the perfect example for us to see that gentleness is power under control. Jesus had all authority as the Son of God, but he had a gentle spirit and a gentle heart in how he interacted with those that were around him. Like this, we see through these different people that we need to be gentle like this. We need to have a gentleness that can only come from God. And the question then is, what does it look like to live a life of gentleness? How do we express that gentleness to the world around us? And we've said, as we've gone through so far this morning, that like all the other fruit of the Spirit, gentleness that we're talking about can only be given by the Holy Spirit. As... Image bearers of God, yes, we can, to a certain perspective, have gentleness because the very, we are the very image of who God is. But to have the gentleness that God wants us to have, to be able to extend that past what our sinful nature will do, we need to have the Spirit give us that gentleness. And the only way that that can happen is for the Spirit to be dwelling in us. And the only way for the Spirit to be dwelling within us is to have our relationship restored with God, as we talked about earlier. And the only way for this to happen is to accept that free gift of salvation that he offers to us. It's not by working hard. It's not by coming to church every week. It's not by doing any of those kind of things. It's by saying, Lord, yep, I know, I'm a sinner. I repent of those sins and I turn to you. It's, we're walking in sin, and we say, you know what? God's more important. And we turn from the sins and we turn to him and we put our faith and trust in the finished work of Christ on the cross that that is what restores our relationship with God. And as we do that, we then allow the Spirit to dwell within us because that's what Jesus said. He said, I'm going to leave him with you. And if if we put our faith and trust in Christ, we have the Spirit here each and every day with us all the time. Caring for us, helping us, giving us the fruit that he has for us if we allow that to happen. So once we've done this, and we have this spirit with us, we can draw on this fruit in our lives. So what does it look like to grow this fruit? What does it look like to be characterized as a person of gentleness? Well, to have this happen, I think that first we need to remember two things. First, we need to remember that gentleness we show has to be a representation of God. See, we talked earlier about the fact that God in his very character is gentle. We said that gentleness is a very part of who he is. It's always there. It's part of him. He can't deny that. And for us, that is the kind of gentleness we have. God deals with us gently, even in the fact that each and every day, each and every one of us in this room do something against what he would want us to do. But yet he still gently deals with us, gently teaches us, gently exhorts us, gently cares for us to bring us back into a spot where we're doing his will. And that's the kind of gentleness that we need to have with other people. We need to treat others with the same gentleness that God shows us while still standing up for those things that he has set for us to do. There are certain standards and things we can't compromise on. He does not want us to, but he wants us to gently help people understand that those things are important for them too. And he wants us to stand firm, but he wants us to do it in such a way that his gentleness is shown to those that we talk to about those things. So I think that sometimes we're like, well, yeah, be gentle. That's easy. That's not rocket science. I can be gentle. You ever had a situation where someone is doing something you don't like, doing something that you don't want them to do, and they'll start getting angry, getting frustrated? In those moments, how easy is it to be gentle with them? We can say gentleness is really simple, but there's certain situations that pop up where it's really, really hard. Simple in concept, sometimes hard to do. Second thing that we need to remember is that our gentleness is strength under God's control. And how do we do that? How do we, how do we let our strength, that power we talk about, the power of our words, the power of our deeds, how do we let them be under God's control? Well, first, we have to be in his word and communicating with him through, through prayer. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says that all scriptures breathed out by God and prophet for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. If you want to understand gentleness, you want to understand the character of God and how we're supposed to act and how we're supposed to be, Have a manual. It's been given to us. It's all right here. Sometimes I know that we will say, well, it doesn't have my situation. It does. You just need to be able to open your mind and see it. Because everything that we need, our anxiety, our struggles, our anger, our pain, our joy, all of it, our long suffering, all these things, we learn about them right here. And as we're learning those things, as we see that, as we're nourished, like it said in that Deuteronomy passage, as our soul is nourished by the words from this book, we need to ask God to be cultivating the fruit of gentleness in our lives. We need to be at a point where we look at God and say, God, help us channel the power we have in the way you would have us to do it. We need him to be the one that we channel his graciousness, his gentleness through. As we're doing that, the second part, which I think is the harder part of this sometimes, is that we need to give up our selfish ambitions and submit ourselves to his authority. I have a type A personality. I've shared that before. I like to be right. I like to get things done. I'd like to be in charge. Here's the problem. When it comes to interacting with God, the first thing we need to realize is that his ways far outweigh our ways. They're so far above ours, it's something that we can't even fathom. And even though I may have had on my whiteboard, I could have diagrammed out the perfect plan. If God says no, the answer needs to be no. If he says yes, and great. Keep going until he says no. But we need to realize that as we learn from God's word, as we pray for gentleness, we have to have action with it. Because I can learn all kinds of things. I can, I can know scripture from Genesis to Revelation. I can, be, I can be saying, God, I need you to help me. But until that moment I let God help me, Doesn't matter what I read. Doesn't matter what I say. Until I'm willing to give up my selfish ambitions and say, God, you're in charge, I'm not going to be able to live out the fruit that we've been talking about over the last couple of years. We can learn, but if we're not putting those things into practice, what good are they? To be gentle, to do this, we need to have actions. And that action comes in our interactions with other people. So where the rubber meets the roads. I don't care what phase of life you're in from the youngest person in this auditorium to the oldest person in this auditorium. We interact with people at some point in time. I mean, you're here right now. There are a lot of people in this room. I'm sure you will interact with at least one of them before you leave today. You might have already done that. We all interact with people each and every day. The action of living out gentleness is found in how we treat those people as we interact with them. We interact in different, several different ways. First one, specific ways as Christians we interact in teaching and witnessing. Turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy 2, 24 and 25. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 24 and 25. Listen to what it says. It says, And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth. We, as Christians, are called to witness to other people we're called to teach God's truth to those we come in contact with. Inevitably, as we do that, we're going to have people that we come in contact with that aren't going to like what we're saying. They may yell at you. They may tell you that what you're saying makes no sense. They may tell you that there's no such thing as God. And all of these things, if you, if you truly care about God, and as in any relationship, if someone starts telling you that God isn't right, you're going to get frustrated. You're going to get angry. But what it's saying here in Timothy is that as you do this, don't be quarrelsome. Don't be argumentative. Don't yell back at them and tell them how stupid they are and how could they not understand what you're doing. It says that we're supposed to correct in gentleness. These are the spots where it's really, really hard. Remember we talked about the concept of gentleness is really easy, but living it out is really, really hard. These are the types of situations where it becomes really, really hard because we have a passion for Christ. If If you are saved, if you've accepted Christ's gift of salvation, you should have a passion for him. You should have a passion for God that you want to teach. You want to share him with other people. And when we're passionate about something, our emotions kick up, right? We get excited. We're like, this is the greatest thing and you need to hear it. And when someone's like, meh, we're kind of like, wait, wait, what? How can you not want to hear this? And we can get frustrated and we get angry, but this is that spot where the power of our words need to be under God's control. And as we correct them, we do it in gentleness. We show them, no, but look, this is what it says. This is Why? I think this is so important, not only for me, but for you. And we do those things, and as we do that, hopefully they start to see that there is that difference in you. But not just because it's you, but because we're letting God's gentleness flow through us. Because sometimes people just want to be antagonistic. It's the truth of the matter that happens. And how we handle those situations we'll give a very clear picture of, to them, of who our God is. And our God is a gentle God. And that's what we need to be showing them, even as we're standing firm. Also have positions of authority. This is a perfect place for us to realize that gentleness is power under control. Turn real quick to Ephesians chapter 6. In Ephesians chapter 6, it's talking about different relationships that we have. And there's relationships between children and parents, between bondservants and masters. And the verses just before 6-9 is talking about how a bondservant needs to relate to their master. As they're doing that, God then says, or Paul, sorry. Paul then says, listen to what I have to say. And this is what he says in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 9. He says, Masters, do the same to them and stop your threatening, knowing that he who is both their master and yours in heaven and that there's no partiality in him. As we come sometimes into positions of power and authority, sometimes when we do that, we have the tendency to let it go to our head as people. We, we get a little bit a little bit arrogant about the fact that, no, I'm in control. This is how it'll run. This is what you will do. And you'll do it my way. And sometimes we can get to the point when we're in authority positions where we kind of, sometimes intentionally, sometimes not intentionally, treat, our, treat those underneath us as a little less than we are. We... May yell at them, we may tell them this is what you 're going to do, and if they try to try to give us a suggestion, try to do those things like uh, 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 uh. i 'm the boss, go away, and we treat people that way sometimes, and it 's saying here that we need to stop threatening we don 't want to do that, we don 't want to be those that use fear to control those that are underneath us when we're in positions of authority. What we want is that we make sure that we're using that gentleness that God shows us, because quite honestly, he's the supreme authority. And if he tells me, I'm going to be gentle for you, we need to be gentle to those that are underneath us. And that's where that is, and that's what we need to do. And... We need to make sure that we're showing this gentleness of God to all that we come in contact with, including those we have authority over. And these were a couple of specific spots. But each and every day, daily, we have interactions with people, right? You don't have to have a specific purpose to necessarily interact with somebody. You don't need to be teaching or witnessing or being a boss to interact with people. Maybe you went out to eat. And when the waitress brought your food or the server brought your food, you look at it and go, that's not what I ordered. We can we can look at them and we can chew them out and tell them how horrible this is and we want to see a manager and you want your meal for free and we can make them feel this tall. Or we can be gentle about it and, yeah, still tell them this isn't what I ordered, but maybe it's, um, I don't think this is what I ordered. Not sure where it got screwed up along the way, but... I wanted this. Can I have that? And we can have it in a gentle spirit in a way that is kind in what we do. Are you gentle with that person? For those of us that are in school, maybe you're in class, you're at lunch, maybe even on the playground somebody does something you don't like. They steal your ball. They take your swing. I don't know. They do whatever, and you get really mad about it. Do you haul off and punch them and take your ball back? Or do you handle it in a gentle way? Are you gentle with those people that you have contact with? I think that we kind of get the point. Each and every day, we're in contact with somebody. We have the ability to interact with different people. But I think as we do that, the question to ask yourself is, are you gentle as you interact with each one of them? And as you're interacting with these people, this goes back to where we talked at the beginning of this application section is, as you're doing that, each day you need to ask God to develop the fruit of gentleness in your life. As you're acting out what gentleness is, you need to, you need to continually pray that the Spirit would lead us. Because when we stop, it's very easy for us to slip back into whatever thing we do. Whether that's being argumentative, whether that's taking control in a harsh way, whatever this, we can slide back into those things and we need to constantly be praying to the Lord and saying, Spirit, asking him to prompt, the Spirit prompt us. And when the Spirit does prompt you, listen. As you're talking to God, as you're interacting with people, as you're asking for him to bring gentleness to your interactions, listen when he prompts you you know, that little gnawing feeling that maybe you're not handling the situation right? Actually listen to it. Stop what you're doing. Let the Spirit guide you in what you're doing. So I think as we close this morning, we're reminded that like the other fruit of the Spirit, gentleness is part of the very character of God. It means that for us to live a life of gentleness, we have to have the Spirit dwelling in us to produce it. As we said earlier, if you haven't accepted that gift of salvation... That's your first step. That's the first thing you need to do to be able to have the fruit of the Spirit cultivated in your heart. If you are, if you've done that already, if you're a believer, the question's different. The question is, are you allowing that fruit to grow in your life? Are you allowing the Spirit to cultivate that in you? Are you living a life of gentleness? For each one of us, living that life of gentleness means that we're allowing the Lord to show us what it means to be gentle channeling that power into our interactions with others each and every day. And as we do this, as we allow this to happen, our relationship with God grows and we continue to be more like him. As we are more like him, gentleness will continue to grow in our hearts and make it even more easy for us to show the love of Christ to those we meet, which will also make it easier to share Christ with those who need to hear about him. My plea to each one of us, me included, today is that we don't wait to allow the Spirit to cultivate gentleness in our heart. Humble yourself now before God, and even today, let gentleness define the way you live your life and how you interact with people from the moment you leave this room. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you. Thank you for knowing that you, in your very nature, are a gentle God powerful God, yes, but a gentle God, one that wants us to use that same character of gentleness in our lives and our interactions with those each and every day. I pray, Lord, that as we wrap up the service this morning, as we continue to praise you through song and prayer, that maybe you would help somebody that needs to to realize that that's something they need in their life let thank you now, Lord, for this opportunity we have this morning just to sit with your word together to learn more about who you are and what you want for each one of us in our lives. Just pray now for as we continue uh, in the service now. In your son's name we pray. Amen.